Meet Lindsay. She's 38 and constantly feeling overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed with not feeling well. She's overwhelmed with eating specific foods and having to take supplements. She's overwhelmed with her job, which is super busy, and just life in general. She's often anxious about everything she has going on. And after a period of anxiety, she falls into a depression where she feels like, what's the point? It tends to regress and not want to do anything. This anxiety and depression cycles back and forth, and she can't seem to find a middle ground. She's worked with several practitioners and tried medications, but she didn't really like how she felt on them. She also worked with an integrative psychologist who used probiotics and put her on a gluten-free diet and also specific amino acids. Even though this approach is something that has helped so many people, it unfortunately didn't do too, too much for her. When I met Lindsay, I noticed that she seemed quite disconnected from her body and was really, really in her head. It actually reminded me of my old self about 15 years ago, and I could very quickly see that in addition to biochemistry, something else was at play. I knew there was more pieces to this puzzle, and we needed to get them all together to solve this health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Lindsay and the anxiety and depression that she was dealing with. Join me on the show today to talk more about this is Christy Whitman. Christy is a transformational leader, celebrity coach, and the New York Times bestselling author of The Art of Having It All. Christy is the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 12-month law of attraction coaching certification program. Christy has helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through her empowerment seminars, speeches, and coaching. Christy, I am so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. So funny story. I actually heard you on the Allie Brown's podcast probably about, I want to say maybe like two years ago. And I really loved the interviews you guys did. And I thought to myself, I really like what this Christy has to say. I'm going to connect (laughs) with her at some point. And this was way before I even started my own podcast or was even really doing much online. And as I was starting my research now for the new season of this podcast, your name popped into my inbox in a very serendipitous kind of way through someone who knew someone who knew someone that connected us and seemed like a really cool coincidence, though not sure that it's really a coincidence, but uh, it was a fun way to connect. Um, So I have done several episodes on depression and anxiety because it's a problem that affects so, so many people around the world. And we discuss some really important underlying roots like neurotransmitter imbalances and how amino acids play a role, as well as the role of things like gut and gluten. But every person is so unique. And so the cause of depression and anxiety in one person is not necessarily going to be the same as another, which is why on the show, I'm always trying to explore all types of root causes to show people the multiple different possibilities and give them ideas and areas to explore 
if they haven't yet gone to the bottom of their issue. So Christy, you are an energy healer and have had tremendous success with this work in transforming people's lives, both physically and emotionally. So can you tell us a little bit about like how does quantum physics play a role in this and how does all this work? Yeah, so we know from quantum physics and now from obviously modern science that everything, doesn't matter if it's unmanifested or if it's manifested, everything is energy. And so it could be something very, very dense, like the chair that we're sitting in, or something that's very much alive, like human beings. All of us, everything in this universe is made up of atoms, molecules, and at the bottom you know, essence of it is energy. And all energy carries a vibration. That vibration is communication that goes out into the universe and then attracts other like energies. That's really what the law of attraction is. And so everything being energy, we as human beings are energy receivers. We're always receiving. We've got receptor sites on all, the, all of our cells. It, our cells, each and every one of them, doesn't matter where they are, if they're a liver cell or a brain cell, they're all in the receptive mode of energy. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we, what energy are we under the influence of? Because we're going to be influenced by that energy because we're constantly receiving energy, but we're also generating energy. And so what happens a lot of times is we don't know how to process our energy. And so a lot of times it could be something that upsets us or we get bad news or we feel some kind of emotion or we were told we can't experience an emotion so we just don't process our emotions and that is energy so if you think about it if we're energy towers if we're energy generators sending out a signal all day every day we do that through the thoughts that we think the emotions that we either process or don't the perspectives we have the words that we share or say um, the you know actions that we take and just from a place of emotionality, it's energy in motion or not, we're either expressing our emotions in a healthy way where that we're not just, you know, um, connecting our mind and our emotions and then continuing this constant um, activation between the two places. We're isolating our emotions, feeling the energy of it, letting it release. And then we return back to our natural feeling good state. Most people don't know how to do that. Most people haven't been trained to do that because, our, of course, our parents and grandparents didn't know how to do it. It was like, don't feel fear. Don't, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't feel sad. Don't feel this. And so we suppress our emotions. We escape our emotions. We do everything not to feel ourselves. And what happens with that is, and it's no, no surprise, obviously, that on one side of the spectrum, you have depression. On the other side of the spectrum, you have anxiety. And both anxiety and depression are actually not an emotion. They're like what they call a disease state or a state of being. So someone is depressed and they're depressed because they've got so much sadness and so much lower level energy, like victimness, powerlessness. They, they feel like a victim to their circumstances. They feel like no matter what they do, you know, nothing's going to change their circumstances. They, they've suppressed themselves for so long that they literally are in a depressive state. Or on the other side of the spectrum, you have people that are so anxious and it's an over-amplification of an emotion like a fear that hasn't been processed and expressed. So what happens to us as human beings, and there's tons of different you know, studies from major schools and, and healing institutions and, and those kind of things, that emotions in the body 
they create a certain level of disease state. And they also create these kind of systematic um, spaces that people are in, whether they're depressed or anxious. This is so interesting. And I loved how all of this, you know, can be tied down to, or tied back, I should say, to some of these different disease states, you know, like you were saying with depression and anxiety. And so you mentioned that if someone doesn't feel an emotion, then it's not processed. So can you tell people what exactly does it mean to feel an emotion? Because again, I think we become so numb, we sometimes don't even realize what that even means. Yeah. So, you know, emotions, again, are energy. So it, what it, what's supposed to happen is like, we're going along our day, right? Someone might say something to us that is hurtful, or it might anger us, or we might hear a news or something happens. We, we get some kind of stimulation from the outside. Says so, someone says something, does some, something happens, right? Mm-hmm. The way we're supposed to naturally process the energy, or i.e., the emotions or feelings, is we feel the whoosh. It's like a big whoosh goes over our whole entire bodies. It's like every single receptor site feels it. And then we're supposed to be able to sit with that energy. And it takes about 90 seconds to process it out. So, says something rude to you, you feel angered by it. You process the anger, the actual energetic uh, feeling sense or pulsation of the anger, really truly feel it, and then come back to a place of feeling joyful. Now, from that place, or at least neutral, if you can't find the joy in that moment, at least find neutrality, then from that place, then communicate. That didn't feel good to me. I don't. Pr- I prefer not to talk to that, that way. That that was kind of rude. You know, whatever we need to say. To, set our boundaries and communicate. But it's so important for us to process that energy because most people now communicate from a place of they haven't processed their emotions. So now the person doesn't hear what we're saying. They don't hear the words. All they feel and see is the emotions. And it's like an overreaction of an emotion. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is really connecting you know, what they said to actually how you feel it in the body. So like that whoosh that you were saying, you know, some people might feel it as like this, you know, people sometimes say like, oh, I feel like I've been punched in the stomach, you know, when someone says something. So actually feeling that yes. physical sensation in the stomach as it's happening. Is Exactly. So, you know, here, here's the thing is that most of us have like someone says something or like you feel the punch in the stomach, right? And then our minds kick in. And that's where the activation, instead of us actually just staying with the energy and feeling the physical sensation of what it feels like to let it then release out of our bodies, what happens is our minds get engaged and go, remember the last time that person said that? And then the emotions get even, like the anger gets even bigger. Like, mm. yeah, they've done that before. Yeah. Now there, there's this, you know, it, it gets amplified. And so it gets, the emotions activate the thoughts, the thoughts activate the emotions and it starts this spiraling effect. Yeah. Right. Or it's like, I'm so angry and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm powerless. So I'm going to go eat a hamburger. I'm going to go eat some sugar. I'm going to go smoke a joint. I'm going to go have a glass of wine. I'm going to go shopping. You know, everything to not feel ourselves because that just feels so bad and we're not sure how to process that. And so we just know that we feel bad inside of ourselves. Our natural instinct is to do something that's going to make us feel better. So what do we do? We escape, we suppress. Mm. Instead of actually just go into the whoosh of an emotion and then let it go. 
Right, right. I think that people probably think, I mean, I know in the past I used to think that if I feel that, maybe I would get stuck in that feeling. So like if I feel that punch in the stomach, so to speak, what if that sensation doesn't go away? But what you're saying is it typically takes 90 seconds and then you could move through it, right? Absolutely. And that's just the thing is that, you know, we have these preconceived notions that, you know, if I, if I feel that sadness, I'm just going to die. Like, you know, it'll be like that, that disappointment feeling will kill me or that sadness will kill me. No emotion ever killed anybody. It's literally pulsations of energy. I like to think of it, of it as like keys on a piano. You've got emotion, you got energy from low all the way to high. And depending on how we are receptive in our own bodies and how we feel it, a lot of times we don't even have to go, oh, this is anger or, oh, I'm disappointed. We just connect with our bodies and be in like our gut area or belly area and just feel the pulsation, like the note on a piano. We don't have to say, oh, and and the last time I felt this. So we don't have to name it. We don't have to describe it. We don't have to tell a story about it. We could just feel the pulsation of what's happening inside our own container, our own vessel. And then once that charge has been released, then we can say, okay, that doesn't feel good. What boundary do I have to put up? You know, how, how do I communicate further in the, you know, do I want to continue to have a relationship with this person? What do I prefer? What don't I prefer? But it's always about the energy first. Yeah. No, this is so helpful because I think that a lot of us think the other way. And like you said, our mind gets in. And I think another thing that happens is people often do try to define it, like you were saying. So they may feel something and their mind then takes over saying, well, do I feel this? Do I feel that? And how am I going to feel this? And how is this going to go? Right. And then it's not so much being in our bodies, but it's still being in our head while trying to feel right. Yeah. You cannot process your emotions from your head. Right. You just can't because you're, pro- you're trying to process it from your, from your thoughts, from your mind. And that just continues to activate, you know, the story. It continues to activate the emotions instead of actually just feeling them, isolating them, and then releasing them. And, you know, the other thing that happens too is because people don't, we, we, we tend to do this out of self-protection. If someone says something, does something, something happens out of self-protection, we have this big, beautiful, open heart and the council of light who I, um, you know, a medium for, they say that the, the heart center is like a transmutation station, meaning that it's like, if you have an open heart, this is like a portal to vessel for your divine well-being and love to come through. And as something, someone says something to us, our natural tendency is to close down, is to shut down. And what we're doing is we're shutting down and closing down that energy and energy needs to move and, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed, but it always is constantly moving. And so if someone says something, someone insults you and you decide to close down and you shut down your heart, that energy is closed inside of your body, inside, inside those receptor sites of the cells and they're moving, they're spiraling. They're actually creating a vortex, kind of like equating it to like a caged lion, right? That just wants to get out. It's like, it's spiraling, it's spiraling. And that in and of itself is creating an energetic vortex that then attracts things to us. And then we something gets attracted to us and we go, oh, see? And then that's how a belief forms. So that's really law of attraction, It's like you've got this energy contained inside of yourself because you close down 
instead of just staying open, opening up your heart, going into your, your emotions, feeling the pulsation of whatever it is, keeping your heart open, then there's no imprint. Right. And I guess when there is an imprint, this is where the emotions can actually start to create more physical problems like pain and perhaps even, you know, like you said, the depression, anxiety, and some of the other things that we experience, right? Absolutely. So there's two things, two ways I want to go with this one. So there's the, the things that happen, right? Like, so the anger, the grief, the worry, the fear, any of those kind of uh, emotions, if we don't process them, they create havoc in our bodies. How? Anger goes into and gets not processed, but tries to get processed, but it contains inside the liver and the gallbladder. And it creates like, it's that anger with that being the housing of like resentment, frustration, being irritable, being rageful. That creates things like headaches and um, skin issues and, you know, like skin conditions and high blood pressure and how we're easily irritated and um, sluggish, very low energy because it's all inside of like the liver and the gallbladder. Anger has been tested and tested now that anger is a direct correlation. If someone is constantly in a, in a set point of anger where that creates cancer, it's so detrimental to the health of our cells. Wow. Grief, for example, it sits in the lungs. So we might have feel a tightness in our chest, someone that has chronic bronchitis or pneumonia, asthma, um, maybe pain in shoulder, uh, shoulder and back pain, um, hoarseness of the throat, cough, anything that has to do with the lungs and the throat, coughing, that's kind of stuff that we have to look at because we're not processing our grief properly. Mm. Some worry. Now, I want to talk about this as far as like a, a habit of being or just an emotion because they're two totally different things. Worry has a lot of like digestive issues and stomach issues and, and things like that. And, and it really gets stuck in our stomachs. And then, of course, we have fear that's in our kidneys and our bladder. And it's like adrenal fatigue and all the sorts of stuff that happens with that. But if someone, and I'll use myself as an example, I come from a very long line of worry warts. Mm-hmm. If there's something to worry about, my mom, my grandmother, they would worry about anything. If there's breath, you could worry about breath and they would worry about breath. So for myself, learning about energy and learning about what's empowering me and disempowering me as far as my thoughts and how my way of being, I had to stop my habitual way of worrying. Because worry, like as a regular natural emotion, if some, we get this whoosh of like a worry, it's like, okay, what do I have to pay attention to? Because our emotions are like that fire alarm that goes off in our kitchen. They're, we're feeling something, whether it's like a whoosh of fear, a whoosh of worry, whatever it is. And it's like, what? Well, I got to pay attention to myself because something's telling me to kind of keep my eye out on something. There's something here to worry about or fear or you know that sort of thing. But when we're constantly in a space of worry, that's now a habitual way of being. And it's like, it's so easy to just activate that worry that that's where it can then cause these issues of like digestion and stomach pain and and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can really relate with that because I am the same way. I come from a long line of family worry. And so how do you get past that? I mean, knowing that that's something that you are, I guess, you know, quote unquote prone to, what are some of the tools that you have or that you've done to get past it? Well, that's where it's important to become an energy master and understand, okay, is this worry just in my head 
Or is there really something to worry about? Because again, it's that isolation between the mind will have you worry, will have you give you stories so that you will then feel that worry. And if that's your go-to emotion, you have to recognize that, okay, I'm doing this habitually. It's kind of like criticizing or complaining or, you know, competition or comparison or judgment or, you know, these are things that we do as a way of habitual ways of being and they pull our energy down worrying, fretting, you know, doubting, um, being afraid of everything. Um, these are also ways that are habitual. So I like to say we, we want to be able to pivot those thoughts and pay attention to ourselves when we're having those thoughts that pull us down because thoughts of that bring us down and don't feel good are ultimately coming from lack. Mm-hmm. And then that's why, you know, learning about the universal laws are really important because one of the universal laws is the law of sufficiency and abundance. And if you look at it as a spectrum, on one side is lack and on the other side is abundance. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking thoughts or feeling emotions that feel bad in any way, you're in lack. But if you're thinking thoughts and feeling emotions that feel good, then you're in abundance. And right in the middle, is that tipping point, is that doorway to abundance and that satisfaction. If you're truly feeling that sense of contentment, satisfaction, you know, um, that's where you're not necessarily over the moon bubbling with joy, but you're at least in a place of, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm not feeling bad. I'm not feeling super like excited about life, but at least that's the tipping point to get you into the place where you're not feeling a bunch of fear or anxiety or, you know, rage or sadness or powerlessness. Yeah. And this is something that was happening with Lindsay. She definitely felt like she was coming from lack, um, and especially because she tried so many different things and they weren't working and she felt like she was just spiraling out of control and would worry that, you know, she would never get better again because nothing else has worked. And she was really down on just everything that she was experiencing. Yeah, we see that a lot with people that women, especially that have fibromyalgia. It's like the doctors try to find things, find things, find things, and th- there's nothing that's coming up on what's being tested or what can be measured, but it's a emotion. And when someone, and I've seen this happen case after case with like migraine headaches, with fibromyalgia, when someone starts to really manage their own energy and become an energy master, when they start to really be able to pay attention and pivot their thoughts when they're like, okay, these thoughts are making me feel bad. What's a better feeling thought that I can have? What's, what do I, what do I want? Why do I want it? How do I want to feel? And understand that we don't have to just be at the effect of everything. That's being in a level of victim consciousness, that we actually can be the deliberate creator of our lives and choose how we want to feel and say, okay, I want to feel happy and just make a decision. Today, I'm going to feel happy no matter what. And what does happiness feel like? And start bringing in that feeling and that emotion of happiness. Well, you can't do that as effectively if you've got all this stuffed emotion of like anger or fear. So that's why it's important to start clearing out. And how do you clear it out? You go in your belly. When I mean by go in your belly, it's like your whole entire consciousness drop from your head, from your heart, down into your belly. Just sit there and feel kind of like a heartbeat. heartbeat. You feel the pulsation. Whatever is pulsating, that's the key on the piano. That's the most dominant vibration that there is. We need to be able to feel that. And all of a sudden you might feel it get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it will like crest. I like to say it's like waiting for us. You're like, you're on a surfboard and you're in the middle of the ocean. You're waiting for a wave to come. 
It's like you start paying attention that that wave is going to come and you ride it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it starts to dissipate and then it goes away. And motions are like that too. They're like waves of the ocean where it gets bigger and bigger and they can be sometimes scary, but then they start to, you know, slow down and get smaller and then they wash up against the shore and they dissipate. Well, that's so good to know that even if you've had a lot of stuff that's been stored, you know, you could go in there, feel it. And then, you know, I'm assuming your body will only really let you do what you can handle. You know, it's not going to bring up things, you know, uh, like from the surface, I guess, if you're not ready for them. Would you agree? Absolutely. We're only going to process what we're ready to process. The the thing is that we have to recognize is that from an energy perspective, most people are walking around with a pain body. And what I mean by that is that, you know, they're they're a bunch of human beings walking around with imprints of pain, of sorrow, of grief, of things that have happened, of stories that they're putting on themselves. And The way I like to equate it is like someone's walking around with like third degree burns and anything, if you touch that person, they're going to be like, ah, you know, it it activates that pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone's walking around and they haven't fully processed their disappointments or their grief or whatever it is, that is going to activate more feelings of sadness. I'll, I'll use my dad as an example. My, my dad, my, I had a, my sister who she was my older sister she committed suicide 22 years ago. Oh gosh. Yeah. She was one of these people that were depressed, didn't know how to process her emotions, didn't feel good about herself. She did not have a good self-esteem. So she got into drugs, um, did every drug known to man. It changed obviously the, you know, the brain chemistry and, and all that. And that is where it's like a, now a biological chemical, you know, thing. But she had been off of drugs for five years. She had some things happen, and her ultimate escape was she committed suicide. And my dad, he has not processed the pain of that, whereas my mom has. So you could just mention my sister's name to him, and he'll either get really, really angry or he'll get really, really sad. Mm. You know, it's been 22 years. So they say, for example, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. It's you taking an active, you know, participant in your healing process. So anytime there's a grief, now when do we feel grief as humans? When there's a loss, and we, as we perceive something as a problem, as we perceive something as a loss, and we haven't processed the grief of that, then anytime we feel some other perception of a loss, it could be a job, it could be a dog, it could be divorce, whatever it is, it's going to activate all the places that we haven't relieved of that grief inside of us. So more loss is going to create more loss. It's the same thing with the anger. Right. You know, I used to be a very angry person. I was angry at everyone, including God. And so anything that was any reaction that I could have was coming from a place of anger. Uh, it's the only emotion I would allow myself to feel. And so I couldn't feel extreme joy because I was so blocked with anger. And it wasn't until I processed the anger and let that energy out of my body that I can then be connected to the flow and the stream of how most of us are divinely designed to feel. And that is in well-being and joy and fulfillment and, you know, and all, all of the good feelings, abundance, success. It wasn't until I let go of that anger that I could feel the other spectrum of the emotions of joy. 
Right. And I mean, I think this is unfortunately so common for so many of us that, you know, we have, we're just hold on to all of that. So would you say that people can start doing this on their own by just sitting with their bodies and feeling, or is it something where they would, you know, ideally see an energy healer or someone that can kind of walk them through or help them to process those emotions? Well, if, you know, we all have the ability to do this. It's just, it's in us. It's innate. I mean, we kind of grew up as, when you think about little kids, they, they do their, I'm angry, you know, and then they go back to feeling joyful and happy a second later. I I remember seeing my kid, my, my youngest son, I have a nine, a 10 year old now, but when Maxim, my youngest was about three years old, we were driving like just about 45 minutes away from our house and um, he was to him. He missed his house. It was so far away. And he's in the backseat and he goes, I miss home. And I just turned to him and I held his hand and I go, I understand. And he cried, cried for you know about 90 seconds. I could have timed it. And then all of a sudden he wiped his tears away and he was back to being this joyful little kid. Mm. But most of us, if that was me in that situation and my mom was doing that, if I was crying and I was only 40 minutes away from my mom would be like, what are you crying about? Don't be an idiot. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Why are you doing that? Stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. And so we learn at a very young age to shut down and that I can't feel my emotions, but innately we know how to do that. So once you are trained back into doing that, if you could do it by yourself, fantastic, go into your belly, process your emotions. Most people have suppressed their emotions for so long that it's overwhelming or they don't know how to get in touch with their emotions because they've shut it down for so long. In those cases, I would say, yes, definitely work with someone that can get you in touch with your emotions, like an energy healer, you know, that someone's going to help you do that. If you could, if you can do it on your own, great, do it. But there is support if you need to. Well, that's great. You know, I think that knowing that people are sort of wired to do that, and sometimes maybe they may need a few sessions just to kind of get going, but then they have that ability and they can do that for, you know, as long as they want afterwards. That's really great to know. Yeah. I, and I do a whole course called Quantum Energy Mastery that teaches people how to become the energy masters of their lives again, including their minds, including their emotions. And most people, when they hear this stuff, they're like, what? Like, I mean, it has to... It's a completely different way of shifting your thoughts, but it's so natural because that's who we are. We're supposed to be aligned naturally, our divine design, just like we are divinely designed as a human being to have two arms, two hands, 10 fingers, you know, 10 toes, one brain, one spinal cord, one heart. None of us are walking around with beaks or tails. You know, we're all basically the same makeup even though we look different. So one of us might have blonde hair, the other person might have brown hair. There's unique, you know, our facials, you know, um, face actually looks different. Our eyes are a different color. There may be a different shape. Some of us are tall, some of us are small. You know, so it's like we have our divine programming as far as what we're supposed to be physically. And then there's some different variations. So we all look different. So we all are unique. Well, it's the same way from an energetic perspective. From an energetic perspective, from a soul perspective, we are divinely designed to have health and well-being with our bodies knowing exactly what to do to stay in that alignment with health and well-being. We get a scrape, our bodies naturally scab, and it heals itself. It's supposed to be like that with everything. So health and well-being is divinely designed in us. Having Abundance in all aspects of our life, including financial abundance, is ingrained in us. It's, it's part of our cosmic DNA, if you will. 
we're supposed to be a vessel for creative self-expression and to have it lead to success. And then all of our relationships, we're divinely designed to have our relationships, people we interact with, whether it's things that we interact with, money, uh, career, people, to have it be loving and supportive. And then we put our own unique blonde hair, blue hair, Mm -hmm. or blue hair, blonde hair, brown (laughs) hair, you know, like our own unique energy codes on top of it. So it's like there's a mere reflection. There's the physical and the metaphysical. We're not just physical beings. We're energetic metaphysical beings. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I'll definitely put all of the information to the course that you teach. Um, So for everyone listening, it's going to be in the show notes. Now, Christy, one of the things that you teach is the seven essential universal laws. And I know we touched on it just a little bit, but can you tell us more about this? And like, is that similar to law of attraction or is that part of it? Yeah, so one of the laws, one of the seven essential laws is the law of attraction. And so, you know, we are, since the dawn of time, our universe is navigated or it's directed by these universal laws. Kind of like if, you know, here on planet Earth, we have the law of gravity. If you throw a ball up, it's going to come down. It doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter if you're a man or a female, what your religion is, what your nationality is, throw a ball up, it's going to come down because we have gravity. And so it's the same thing with universal laws like law of attraction. We are energy, we're broadcasting energy all the time. We're energy receivers, but we're also energy generators. So what we're sending out comes back to us like a boomerang in the way of vibration. And the way each of us interpret vibration looks differently but what we, if we're sending out negative waves, that negativity, quote unquote, is going to come back to us in either our relationships, our finances, our career, our health, whatever it is. So that's just one of the universal laws. There's seven that, there's more than seven, but seven essential laws that literally for me feels like knowing the rules of the game. It's like if someone was to go play baseball, they've never seen the game played before. They had no idea, like, you know, you kind of come to planet Earth and you're an alien and someone says, here, play baseball, right? And and they hand you a bat and you have no idea and you hit the ball and you run to third, you're going to be out. So it just makes sense to know what these rules are so that we can understand how to navigate and what our part in it, you know, what our part in it is really, because, you know, we're a huge part of the equation with our free will. The universe is not an assertion-based universe. We have our own free will. We need to direct energy. We need to process emotions. We need to use the mental capacities that we have, like visualization and things like that, to be able to create what we want. We're not victims. One of the most important universal laws that um, I had touched on is the law of sufficiency and abundance. Because when you start to understand that you can choose abundance and that abundance is your natural state and that the universe was literally birthed in abundance... And that you, as you believe in abundance, you look for evidence of abundance, you will see that coming back to you. You're in a place of one of the other laws, law of allowing. You're practicing being a law of deliberate creator. You're in the law of attraction always because whatever you give out comes back to you. You're in that field of pure potentiality. You're in a space of detachment. And you know it, it, all of it is like coming together when you apply the law of sufficiency and abundance. Yeah. Now, can you talk about detachment a little bit? Because I think that when people think about law of attraction, you know, sometimes they think, all right, well, I want to have this. And, you know, they may do vision boards and they may be putting out that they want this, this, and this. 
but they get so attached to that, that it's hard for that to actually happen. Can you talk more about that? Yes. I love that you're asking about that. So law of detachment is important because it's important to have a vision of what you want and to see pictures of what you want in your mind, but to understand that the universe has a bird's eye view of your life and the universe is completely unlimited. We, we, in our wonderfulness that we are as human beings and how smart we are that stuff, we have our own limitations. And so we can only see from the consciousness that we are. And we don't know all the different possibilities that are out there, but our but the divine does, the universe does. And so when we're focused on it has to look like this, it's gotta be that man or it's gotta be that woman or it's gotta be that house or that job or it's gonna be this amount of money that's gonna make me happy. When we're attached to those forms, we are literally limiting the unlimited. And there's so many other ways that we could receive and be delivered what we're wanting, but we're so focused on this one form. Mm. And and so like our energy is so closed down that it has to be that one avenue. It's like driving down a freeway that's got, you know, 10 different lanes, but we're only seeing this one particular lane and closing off to the other lanes when they're free flowing and open. So, you know, when you're coming from a place of asking yourself, what do I want? Why do I want it? And then how do I want to feel? When you get to the essence of how you're going to feel, then what happens is you're opening up and you're not so detached or you're not so attached to the thing that you want. I I always like to give this example. When I was single, I wanted to have a partner that I could develop, you know, a history with, a relationship with, be intimate with, and I wanted to get married and have kids. And for me, you know, I was attached to the certain qualities that this person would have because I didn't want to just be with anybody. So, you know, these are the things to be attached to, you know, the qualities and things like that the where, the who, the when, all those details, I had to just let go of and be in an allowing space because every time I was like, oh, is that him? Oh, is that him? When's that going to, why isn't he here yet? (laughs) You know, any of those feelings, I was attached to the outcome and I wasn't allowing the universe to bring me that person at the perfect time. So I had to practice detachment knowing that the person I wanted to be with was there And then I met my husband, Frederick, literally in the most beautiful situation, the perfect timing. And he happened to have every single quality that was on my, you know, on my mind or on my list, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. But, but at the who, the where, the what, the how, all of that, that's where trust and faith comes in. Yeah. So you were really thinking more of the bigger picture of how you want to feel rather than the exact characteristics that you wanted in a husband, right? Yeah, both. I mean, I wanted him to be spiritually based. I wanted him to take care of himself. I wanted him to have a deeper purpose in life. I wanted him to, you know, I wanted to be attracted to him, obviously physically, um, but what he did and where he lived and, you know, who he was in that sense, I, none of those things mattered to me. I was very open. And here I found I was a a woman that was born and raised in Arizona, met and married a man from Montreal, Canada. 
I didn't even know that a Montreal, Canada existed because <laughs> I was, just, you know, so it was like I was so open. And how did you start doing this work? How did you get here, Christy? It's been a long journey. It's been well over 20 years. Um, I was in a place where I really checked the boxes, if you will, like what I was told, you know, as most of us are, if you get the money, get the guy, get the degree, get the career, you know, have all these things, then you'll be happy. And I did all those things. I had all those things and I still wasn't happy. I felt even less happy than the quest to get those things. And I felt like, oh my God, I I was lied to. And so I felt totally unfulfilled and I was reaching and I wanted to feel a deeper sense of spiritual connection, even though I didn't have that language at the time. I just felt like there's got to be more to this. And so in my thirst, in my hunger, I started searching and I met a woman who was a meditation teacher. And now again, this is over 20 years ago. So the internet wasn't happening. This was like, this wasn't like something you'd hear on podcasts and stuff like that. They didn't even exist then. Mm -hmm. But she said to me, you know, you create your reality. And for me, when she said that to me, it really sunk in. And I, and I knew that somewhere in my being that was true. And I had no idea how to create my reality. And so she said, you know, you're either attracting things to you or repelling things from you based on your thoughts. And I started paying attention to my thoughts, just as I was saying to do that here, like, you know, are, are you worrying? Are you competitive? Are you complaining? All these, are you judgmental, critical, all these things. And I was so critical. I was so judgmental. I was so hard on myself. And so I had to start changing and shifting my way of thinking about myself, my life, other people. And one one thought by one thought, as I became aware of them, I shifted them and started meditating and doing things to align myself. And my life just literally started changing overnight. And so, you know, about five years in, that's when I had my first book download through me in the middle of the night. And uh, now what I understand to be channeled, scribed through me. And um, I got my book published and started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches and places like that. And people were asking me if I coached. And back then, again, I had no frame of reference for a life coach because I didn't even know they existed. I was like, a cheerleading coach? Like, what kind of coach are you talking about? (laughs) It was, you know, like when I just, my mind was like, what? People do that and they get paid for that? And I just loved it. I would have people in my um, seminars call me and I'd get on the phone with them and I'd walk them through how to shift their energy and how to shift their perspective on things. And they were having amazing successes doing this and their lives were improving. So I went to school to become a coach and I've been full-time about 14 years now. That's amazing. That's, That's really, really great to hear. And I just think that how, you know, what we think has, like you said, so much to do with what happens in our life and how we're going to feel. And in Lindsay's case, especially, I mean, she really was like, there was just so many negative thoughts and she was so down on herself and there was so much fear. And that's partly why some of the other more biochemical type of treatments didn't work for her because a lot of it was this energy that she just wasn't really working with and processing. So I just think this is so, so important. Absolutely. It's, it's essential. I mean, we are at the core of our being energy. And when you can understand that everything is energy and that you know how to manage your own energy, you, you're, you're out of victim consciousness into literally deliberate manifester. 
And, you know, it's, it's important to understand that because then you get to choose how you want to feel. We're so conditioned to think, okay, if I get that promotion, if I find a husband, if I have the kid, if I make this certain amount of money, if I have that career, then I'm going to feel whatever it is, happy, successful, joyful, whatever. And then we seem to get there and we're like, okay, well, that didn't do it. Maybe I need a second kid or maybe I need to make more money or maybe I need a next position. Or maybe I need it, mm-hmm. you know, so always putting aside or putting, we're signing outside of ourselves, our emotions, our emotions are inside of us. And it literally is just a choice away. We have free will and we can choose to feel good. And just even making that choice to feel good, whether that means joyful, happy, free, whatever it is, that starts a whole chain reaction and, and you know, starts a, a whole thing where you're then attracting those people that are going to, or situations or books or podcasts or whatever it is to help you align with that feeling. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I love what you're saying. It's like the, I'll be happy when syndrome. And I talk a lot about that in health too, because a lot of people are always trying to find, you know, the next supplement or the next thing and kind of figure stuff out. But if we're not in the right mindset for that, if we don't actually see ourselves well and kind of see what it is that we want, it's really hard to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Christy, thank you so much for all of this information. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you're doing in the world. It's important conversation that you're having with people and educating people and making people become more conscious of it because it's, it's just not about the, you know, Western medicine has its place. Absolutely. But it's, uh, you know, this conversation is so important, especially this day and age. So thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thank you. We'll talk soon. As you can see, Anxiety and depression can be linked to many things and unprocessed emotions and what happens energetically can play a big role. If there's one thing that you take away from this interview, I want you to see that we can create our own reality and we are in control of our thoughts. And I know this may sound easier than it looks, but when we understand some of the energetic concepts, it starts to make more sense. And interestingly enough, when I was recording this interview, I was going through something personal myself and I was in a state of worry. And speaking to Christy reminded me that I choose what I think and I'm not going to choose worry. I did it and you can too. And by the way, if you want to connect with Christy and check out her powerful books and workshops, all of her information is in the show notes and you can access those at healthmysterysoft.com under episode 47, or you could just scroll down in whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast and it's all right there for you. And for Lindsay, I started by showing her how she can connect with her body. We practice breathing and feeling where in the body that breath goes. Then we practiced feeling specific areas of her body. We started with her feeling her right hand, then her left hand, and then her feet, and really feeling all of the sensations that were going on. I actually did a guided exercise on exactly how to do this in episode 39, so you could check it out there. Once she got the hang of that, I got her to start feeling all of the different parts of her body individually, and then we connected it as a whole. Having that body connection and awareness was huge for her. She noticed where things felt tight or stuck, or hot, or cold. It was a lot at first, but as she paid attention to those sensations, they actually dissipated, just like Christy was explaining in the interview. Lindsay then practiced feeling her emotions, which again was not easy at first, but once she did it a few times, she realized it was not as scary as it seemed. The more that she felt in her body, the more balance she actually felt in her mind. As she was doing this, 
We cleaned up her diet a bit. She was doing well when she was good, but she would fall off when she wasn't feeling as well. So we worked on finding the right balance for her. We also found that she was an overmethylator. And by the way, if you want to learn more about this really important topic, I discussed it in depth with Dr. Lauren Marks in episode number 34. So if you missed that, definitely check it out because it's a topic that's essential for so many areas of health. And so to help support this for Lindsay, based on her specific methylation status results as an overmethylator, we use niacin and folinic acid to help support her pathways from the biochemical end. She was also interested in seeing an energy healer to help her get to some of the really stuck past emotions. And she really wanted someone that she can meet with in person. So we found someone that was close to her and she worked with this woman for about three months while we were doing everything else on our end. She started feeling more balanced with her mood in about a month. And after three months, she really felt stable. But even more importantly, she felt like now she had the tools to be able to take it from here. She didn't need constant guidance anymore and was able to connect with her body and feel what is there and what needed to be cleared. Now she was not afraid of feeling. She wasn't afraid of feeling her body, her emotions. She was able to clear them as they came in. If Lindsay sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you subscribe to the show because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. When it comes to your health issues, don't give up. There are so many areas to explore and their answers really are out there and there really is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week on Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.